So yeah, I guess um, we'll do the, the non-intro intro. Uh, you know, welcome to the Hypotheticals podcast, uh, where we have somewhat serious, somewhat silly, randomly discussions about uh, usually absurd topics, uh, sometimes semi-realistic. Uh, this is definitely one of the more absurd ones. Uh, I am Rob, he, him. I'm Matt, he, him. The and, cat uh, has entered the podcast. Ah, good timing. My cat has exited the podcast because he loves attacking my very long neck wire uh, to my headphones. And uh, I don't know if that will pick up on uh, the mic if we did it. So he is he is outside right now. Um, outside my room, not outside the house. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so uh, today's topic is what if when you had your midlife crisis, it was actually the middle of your life? You're, you're getting to the, the, the nitty gritty of reality, Rob. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this one up. I have some thoughts. I have thoughts and feelings. I hope you do too. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, I don't, since I picked a topic, I don't know if you want your, your first thought first. My first thought, we talk uh, midlife crisis in the basic kind of cultural way. We use it so loosely. We use it as a broad brush for any kinds of stuff that can happen for someone who's of an indeterminate age that just doesn't happen to be young. Mm-hmm. When I think of midlife crisis, it can be leveled in a very, very funny way. It can be leveled in a you're shaking your head at somebody kind of way. It can be an envious way where someone bought a car that you can't afford but they can afford. Then right. you're thinking, okay, well, they're just sacrificing all that money that might keep them alive in their later years by spending it on the sports car now. Those are my first, first thoughts. How about you? So that's kind of where I was going with it too, because um, it's it's how it's how we approach it right now, not knowing that sort of thing. Like um, people generally, I, it feels like to me, people have their midlife crisis um, in their like forties or fifties, um, which ironically, especially for America, is not really realistic. Uh, most people should be having their midlife crisis in their mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think everyone has in their head that like people on average live to a century and, uh, mm-hmm. they, they absolutely do not, uh, at least, you know, not the way we have things right now. Although I think some countries, it, the average is like low eighties. And I think we're in the mid to upper seventies. We so. would be more accurate or more outlandish depending on your perspective if we did this in a place like greece yes yeah so the the, so the the reason why i picked this is because um if if the midlife crisis was actually the midpoint of your life it means that there would be some very odd circumstances so if you were you know a, a, a grim example if you were going to die in a plane crash at you know like 42 and you'd have your midlife crisis at 21 and then you would you would just know so the first thing is like the psychological impact of that uh which is the Mm -hmm. less fun option um, Mm -hmm. because you know you you end up with a case of um you know some people will be happy it's like oh you know i had it at 50 so that means i still got you know uh Mm -hmm. half a century left Mm -hmm. um 
and then the opposite. And then there would be people who were like young and they would have no clue what the heck's going on. Um, mm -hmm. Although the idea of a 10 year old buying, you know, a Maserati is, is, is a weird thing to think mm -hmm. of. Um, it is, uh, it's got crisis right in there in the phrase. So you think about what does crisis mean? If you're hitting a point where you're aware that you're at your midlife point, you're going to have a dominant, that's going to dominate your thinking for the immediate future. I think you will have a, you've legitimized crisis being in that phrase where crisis right. could be sort of a funny thing that you throw at people now as a metaphor. Now it's a real, okay, I have to have a whole legal structure put in place as quickly as possible. I need to have, uh, you know, contingency plans for all kinds of things now that I didn't have before. I have to start thinking about stuff that I, as the 10-year-old, uh, did not realize in getting my one other decade right. of life, right. you know, ahead, ahead of me to be worth anything. Yeah. Although, mm. do you think that that would cause the number of people who have wills and like, um, you know, other end of life plans, mm -hmm. or would it decrease it because they, they would just try to deny it? Mm. I imagine the number of, I mean, I go right to this too, and you can tell me if you want to save this one. I go right to imagine how extreme uh how extreme the chances you would take if your impression was well i'm having my midlife crisis now which means actually i can't die between now and such and such a time yeah uh it is no guarantee that you you would not be in a vegetable you know in a bed for a certain amount of time if you were too risky that's a good then point. how much extra risk would you take if you were not a well i'm, I'm not going to get hit by a bus probably you know, it's not going to be something so so specific like that. So instead, how many things could I do that will really test my limits between where I am now and between where I'm going to be the rest of my life from now? Right. So there would be there would be a very interesting um, like curve of dangerous things because mm -hmm. you know that your midlife, you know, the other half of your life is going to end in well death. Um, mm -hmm. So you'd want to pick activities that. Um, would either destroy you completely or or not have any danger at all mm -hmm. uh, so like mm -hmm. people don't generally survive like parachuting accidents um and yeah, you know, just you're not jumping gonna... out of a plane without your parachute just to see what would happen and see how you're in fact not going to die is uh it's quite a way to quite a way to throw throw the dice on that one yeah exactly although <laughs> imagine like um like what types of jobs could be filled. So mm -hmm. if you, if you had like your midlife crisis and you know, you were, you know, you were 50, right. Mm -hmm. Um, you could take, theoretically, you could take jobs that are incredibly dangerous, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they, they would know that you weren't going to kick it. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah. And dangerous internet, even a basic exposure or, you know, taxing your resources overall kind of way. Separate from danger in a, I'm carrying a big bag of something that's heavy, and if I were to tra trip and fall, it could, it could, uh, you know, end me that way. So that's that's I, I'm not sure. I was thinking something like bomb tech, right? Mm. Bomb disposal mm. tech. So mm. it means that every bomb that you went to, um, mm. to get rid of, it would basically be successful. Because if mm -hmm. it wasn't, then everyone would be dead, including you. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you want the bomb tech who's fresh off of realizing they're at their midlife crisis. You don't want yeah. the one who's already had it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. And uh, the, the big thing that I, that I thought of when I thought of this, because you can't help mm -hmm. but thinking of at least a little bit when, when you make yeah. up these, uh, is like the insurance uh, industry. So mm. part of the drive Such would be a different hide. structure that goes with that. Exactly. You'd, you'd want to absolutely hide um, when your midlife crisis is if you know that mm -hmm. it's coming early, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want to get that life insurance. So is a signifier something you feel on the inside? That is was a signifier my something that physically happens to you? Is the signifier something where we agree that there's a, a, a degree of omniscience, third-party omniscience that is able to reach out and notify you in a way that's not known to others? Or is there something more public like a quinceanera? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. And uh, my, my thought for mm -hmm. at least like the most interesting and somewhat slash related to reality, because only you know when you're having your midlife crisis until you actually do something externally and other people get the hint. Mm. Um, so I was thinking that the knowledge would be mm -hmm. purely internal. Um, mm -hmm. But here's the fun part. Have you ever heard of functional MRIs? Tell me, as I bet I have some things wrong about what I think already. So uh, functional MRIs are basically a real-time MRI. Because when you get an MRI, you have to sit very still, and they give you this uh, chemical. And you know it takes like, I think it's like two hours that they scan you over and over um, to get a full picture of your brain. Uh, functional MRIs, they basically can put you in a different, it's, it's similar machine. Um, but it can read the actual like synapses firing in your brain sort of thing. And uh, interestingly enough, there was this great book. Uh, it was a two book series. It was called Damon and then Freedom. And in it, um, basically some of the main characters use a functional MRI to basically extract information from a person. So, and it was like over 90% accurate. So if you said, you know, Basically, have you had a, um, a midlife crisis? They, they could put you in this machine. Like, this could be a requirement for insurance, maybe. Uh, mm -hmm. They would put you in this machine, and then they would test you repeatedly on that, and you, you wouldn't be able to lie because they could see the contents of your brain. And in the book, they mm -hmm. did this to gather, like, passwords and, like, other information. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you don't even have to answer because mm -hmm. the right part of your brain will light up just by reacting to hearing the question. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, you have me thinking if it's so if it's private information, uh, per, or personal at least information, mm -hmm. you have um, that is a it's like a seesaw change from where we are now, where in most cases people outside of you assign that status to you. Right. You may or may not ever look at in the mirror and consciously think, "Oh, I'm having a midlife crisis, or I'm at the middle of my life, or I'm, I'm at the at the thing here where there's a slope down on one side that I've been going up, and there's a slope down on the other side that I'm going down now." And I'm, I'm positive that the financial models exist along those lines, the social expectations exist along those lines. Uh, yeah, on does it even become insurance anymore? Is insurance the right way to think about money in that case? Mm. State state is important. B 
being able to think through what you want your money to become and whether you still want to have any of it. Or is, is that part of banking now is you may want to be a, I want to spend my very last cent and my very last second. Or I knew I'm going to die at this point anyway, so I'm saving up all my money so that I can be shot into space and that can be the way that I go. Yeah, that's a good point. Like an insurance might just, well, life insurance might just go away and mm -hmm. just becomes like uh, they just focus more on structured financing since you can plan how long you're going to live. Yeah, with such a, such ruthless efficiency in that case, too. Yeah. There are, it's, there's a fact of certain kinds of markets that people are able to arbitrage because they, um, because there's uncertainty around when some kind of event is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And now you've got like a de defining event in the story of someone. You've got that more or less nailed down the moment that you hit that point and you're able to determine. So do you have private trading markets where you analyze the behavior of others in a, in a financial sense and you try to figure out, okay, has this person hit that point and now they're taking on new sets of behaviors and new sets of expectations and I'm gonna lay money on whether that's true or not. Right. Like we joke cool. about Deadpools yeah. um, in, in ways that are also culturally significant, but I could see that being a more popular way of, uh, is investing even the right word? Wagering. Mm -hmm. mm. Hmm. I know this doesn't all have to be about death, and yet that's at least the structure that we're now operating in. Right. Mm -hmm. Can you remember uh, the first time that you were conscious of, of the phrase or the meaning or thinking that someone was doing something that was different and maybe it was because they were older? Oh, I, boy. I can remember when my granddad bought a expensive sports car for no special reason. He yeah. was already 70 plus. So it was it was a lot more about what he cared to do than it was at truly the midpoint of his life. Right. Yeah, to be fair, um, I'm pretty sure that my first experience of that was one of my parents noticing a car. Uh, and it's just like that person's got to be going through a midlife crisis. Yeah. Is it a lot more car attached than we acknowledge? Is it a way of expressing car culture more than it is about personal culture? So I think possibly, but mm -hmm. it, that I think is definitely, um, I think it could be a society to society difference because mm -hmm. I think car culture is a much bigger thing in America because of things laid out the way they are. And mm -hmm. the fact that um, generally people will have like the idea of a status symbol. And mm -hmm. for, for I think a majority of Americans at this point, uh, a car is probably going to be the most expensive thing they can own and actually mm -hmm. do something with. Mm -hmm. Because you don't buy a house for a midlife crisis because that sort of holds you down to a location. Mm -hmm. And... Most people's homes aren't status symbols. Mm -hmm. so. And you're controlled by the house more than you can control the house, whereas a car, mm -hmm. you more or less control the car. The car is not controlling you in that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just thinking now how, 
how ominous it would seem when you're in a car shopping experience where either you know you're at a certain stage or you're like you haven't gotten there yet but the people seeing you buy the car are like mm-hmm mm-hmm maybe i should go put your name into the deadpool sir <laughs> yep um and the, the question like there's there's all sorts of dyna dynamics around that like would people fake having a midlife crisis and oh, then must, you know right? try to you know get out of that and then of course there's a financial side on the dealer, right? Mm -hmm. Like they could, they could try to push you for a higher price. It's like, Hey, you know how much time you have left. I know how much time you have left now. Oh, that would be so, yeah. Such guarded information. Would you share that information as like a sign of intimacy with people? Would mm. you share that information with no one else ever, ever for any reason? Would, what would the legal structures be? If you uh, were in that state, you know, could you enter a, a state of, uh, would you have a government program oriented around that? Or once you reached a certain level, there were certain kinds of things that were available to you or no longer available to you because you were now a known quantity in the, in the eyes of the state. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, there's all sorts of like regulatory things around that. Like for example, um, there, Imagine if, like, at a certain age, like when you're getting close to that that uh, endpoint, mm -hmm. um, that they just revoke your ability to drive because you could have a car accident, you know, weeks before mm. your 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 expiry date, mm -hmm. and uh, they don't want you on the the road maiming other people, mm -hmm. or aware of the moment that you're approaching, and therefore somehow your your the stakes you have for other people's lives is uh, is changed immensely. Yep. It reminds me of a joke. Um, he's, it was a guy says like, you know, I want to die peaceful in my peacefully in my sleep like my grandfather, not screaming like his passengers. It would be yes, it would be very much like that. Yeah. You don't want your uh, your Uber driver to be the one who's got right. the uh, the end of that situation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's the other thing that I was thinking of. Um, generally, for a few different reasons. Um, people in like long-term relationships have, you know, certain things that are more common than less, you know, it's like, usually there's an age range, um, for couples, you know, like within like a decade or whatever, whatever the standard is for that particular person. Uh, but it does make me wonder when you mentioned for like, you know, like, um, showing intimacy, like mm -hmm. would people be more likely to pair up, um, no, like with people that they know are going, you know, to mm. have that at well, the same so time. Dating, dating, dating based on your expiry date. Yep. Yeah. Expiry dating. Uh, gotta, I mean, gotta be in that sense. Cause you have almost a reverse culture that emerges from, I have this amount of time left. I make decisions based around that. There's going to be cultural significance to why you make those decisions. Mm -hmm. and cult certain types of cultural interest uh, that also are like that. I'm doing my best to escape from just the death side of the conversation. Yeah. Is there something that is a, uh, a positive boon to that, other than the extreme adventure sports that one could undertake with some confidence that you weren't simply going to flat out die? So I thought of a really weird one that's kind of positive, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it depends on your thoughts. 
Um, but you know how like the Dalai Lama picks the next Dalai Lama? Mm. It makes me wonder if like that would make planning that out easier because mm-hmm. you'd know when the next one would be coming along. Hmm. Sure thing. I like it. I uh, privately and for my own benefit, I like the thought that never going to die people like Peter Thiel will be uh, disappointed when they hit that point and realize, oh, no, it's actually coming for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's some really weird also 40-year-old billionaire who's, like, Mm -hmm. he goes to, like, his doctor, like, 12 times a week or whatever and has, like, all these different metrics measured and he, like, gets blood platelets from his kid. It's it's super weird. It's Mm -hmm. like, hey, I want to be, like, you know, 25 when I'm 40. It's like, um... You're, you're worried too much. You're, you're going to spend your entire life trying to live longer, and you're not going to live. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, the in positions of power, people had access to just that kind of thing throughout almost all of recorded history. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with the popes who tried to live longer with infusions of young blood. Right. Literally, right? Literally in that case. Even though it turned out not to help him, not to save him anyway. Right. Um, Although, if the Pope is afraid of dying, what chance do the rest of us have? I know. Really, that's what's <laughs> come across. So, let's talk about the uh, religious conflicts or the philosophical, the pitched philosophical debates that will come from the people who deny that it's true. Let's mm. say you get to the stage where it's 99% accepted that this is, in fact, true. It's been scientifically demonstrated that this change happens at the halfway point. What about the 1% of people who are like, nope, A, not true, B, can be overcome with some great effort on my part, thinking my way out of it, uh, praying my way out of it, otherwise bargaining my way out of it, and so on. Yeah, so that would be interesting. It would be like, have you ever seen the movie uh, Final Destination? Mm-hmm. So I can imagine people like that, they basically become preppers, uh, mm-hmm. but for death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'd be in they they'd be like um trying to get past that so they'd have like basically um like no no sharp edges in their entire house you know they basically live in like you know a, a padded room um mm-hmm. they a lot know, of protection from the outside a lot of health maintenance inside as the as the whatever approaches exactly and um mm-hmm. When the, when the midlife thing hits them, they would just completely deny it, ignore it, uh, have like mantras around it. Um, mm-hmm. There there'd certainly be cults. Um, oh yeah, so many. Yeah. But the thing about like to me, when you mention religion, one of the first things that I thought of is not all of them. There are definitely religions or even like sects of popular religions um, that that don't believe in free will. Um, but the ones that do or say that like God grants free will, um, are going to have the biggest problem with that because like here it is this event that you cannot avoid, like, mm. and it's and specifically timed. Um, so yeah, that, that would be a huge, a huge thing like philosophically to deal with. And uh, I'm sure that there would be like more branching of religions, uh, and maybe more more people going to religions. I think Calvinism is probably one of them uh, that would just like say, "Well, it's like, well, we have this 
we actually have a piece of evidence um, for uh, not necessarily for the religion, mm-hmm. but to, at least aligns with it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Any of the yeah, any of the religious sects that are big on predestination mm-hmm. will be like, hey, remember we were there first, everybody. We were there first. Come yep. come hang out with the winners. This is your chance. Yep. Oh you oh ye philosophers, ye scientists, you men of God, all of you can join us here in this in this predestination house. Yep. And that's happened before with science. Like um, when we discovered that like the Big Bang was a thing that happened, that at least all the things that we can interact with in our universe had a beginning point. Um, mm-hmm. there were definitely like, you know, like um, you know, the big three, Judaism, Christianity, uh, mm-hmm. Islam. Um, all have a creation happening at the start. Uh, and it sounds impressive until you realize it was a 50-50, right? It's like either there was a beginning or there wasn't. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll that definitely definitely be co-opted. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Would you be as adventurous as a culture? Would that change at a cultural level? Um or would that utterly reshape how people related to each other? Like if you, would you ally yourself only with people who also had a similar point in their lives, hadn't reached it, had reached it, and then once you reached it, would you quickly subdivide into you reached it at age 20, or you reached it at age 30, or you reached it at age, you know. Yeah, that's a blinker, exactly. Yeah, because like, I, I would imagine, and again, this is probably a different cultural thing, but I think, mm-hmm. like, in some countries, uh, it would just be, you know, kind of em- embraced as the norm, so people would would look out for each other at certain times, and, um, you know, they, they, as things were getting closer for some people, uh, you know, they would have, like, support groups and everything, um, I was suspected Americans would mostly like straight out deny it and just try mm-hmm. to live normally with this thing just in the back of their mind. Um, and I, I think that's just like, I, I think that's how American culture works. Like I remember watching like a Penn and Toe episode where they talked about, um, how basically funeral homes like scam you. Um, mm. because they, they just, they just prey on people who are grieving. It's like, well, you know, you sh- you should get this person a $5,000 coffin instead of, you know, the $1,000 one. Mm. Um, because back in like the twenties, mm-hmm. there was this whole thing, like the parlor, um, in homes would mm-hmm. actually be meant to, um, you know, honor those who passed away. They would have like a, a funeral there and then everything. Uh, mm-hmm. and then basically uh, weirdly enough, it was like home decor magazines said, why don't we make that gross so we can sell them furniture uh, and make it the living room instead of the parlor uh, <laughs> and have other types of entertainment. And then we sort of divorced ourselves from reality and we just don't like to talk about that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's I think that's what we would do as a, as Americans. I'm down with the idea that you can get a lot of a lot of bulk purchasing power out of people who know that they're approaching a certain endpoint. Mm. Even if it's as simple as that, even if it's uh, you know group related, where we're going to save 
digging a single spot for people to be buried and we're going to bury a hundred people who we know who are all going to die today who are all banding together with certain common goals and common uh common mm. endpoints um whole different layout to a lot of cemeteries if yeah. you're bunched by here's we're just going to go with where everyone's uh everyone who passed away today goes um same thing with buying other end of life related stuff um yeah i mean like instead of like a regular graveyard some mm -hmm. places are finally uh option optioning for like uh compostable graves so they just mm -hmm. like build mm -hmm. a, not build a tree they plant a tree and you know mm -hmm. so you could have like with that you could just have like hey we're making an orchard mm-hmm and then you figure out what's exactly the right planting season and then you invite everybody who's gonna who knows they're gonna pass away right around that time to all sort of gather together and be part of the process right and that means that they can spend um what they would normally be a lot of money on other things being alive and then mm -hmm. just group that one thing for that mm -hmm. yep <clears throat> what are other things that are see what are things that are like on a larger scale that do depend on people passing away at an unpredictable time instead of a known time oh i just realized something um when you said that yeah you could use that for very interesting predictions so if you had like a statistical model of that mm. like you could predict like pandemics um you could predict like major disasters mm, because of how many people were uh hit that point at the same time yeah in a particular area or mm -hmm. in general yeah mm -hmm. hmm. imagine the amount of money that on the other side away from the one percent who deny it philosophically but imagine the amount of money for people who would try to uh who would try to somehow reverse the process because then it's it's like it's like today there is a decent amount of effort put into trying to lengthen people's lives, often based on the symptoms that people experience. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people are seriously thinking that in terms of how do you eliminate death altogether. Right. People S use those words. But I doubt that that's the way that they think about the scientific problem they're going after. They may say, we need to make sure telomeres never exhaust. Right. You know, we look at it, things from a, a whatever the under underpinnings are of the physical process that changes or stops, instead of a simply, what is it that's at this uh, philosophical level where now I'm, I'm inexorably marching towards something that is then going to end me. Right. So that means like, because that's something that um, I think I, I mentioned it somewhere else. Uh, I mm -hmm. said, you know, people deny this sort of thing to the point where we don't treat it like a systemic problem that can be fixed. Mm -hmm. um, and this could be a catalyst for doing that. And the thing is that, like, once you adopt that mindset, you could actually do, like, statistical samplings over time. So it's like, hey, we're going to take these efforts to extend um, human life. Uh, extend mm -hmm. the quality of life, you know, like per per country, globally, whatever. And mm -hmm. then, like, you take samples of that every few years, and you notice that, you know, people are having those. 
it's it's essentially um, like an advanced census, right? Mm. Uh, so you, so you can like markedly measure your progress, mm-hmm. which which would be impressive because theoretically, I think people have estimated that the the non modified human lifespan maximum is like mm-hmm. 125 years. And I think one person has lived to like 124 or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so imagine if everyone was having their midlife crisis at 62. It's like, hey, we did it. Mm. Would you need wars and militaries? Would you still go through that same kind of exercise of putting people on battlefields? Or would you only, in that case, want people who because you had these known lifespans, mm. you'd only want to send people into war on your side who had a known lifespan that was well after whatever the battle is that was happening, giving you the impression that, well, they're not going to die, therefore, obviously, the other side. But then the other side's going to do the same thing. So what can you physically do in order to overcome another another uh, location by force, if anything? Right. Oh, boy, that's a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a couple things that, like, come to mind at that. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so first, uh, and this is like, you know, with, with everything going on, it's pretty clear that militaries don't really care, um, on an individual level, mm-hmm. if somebody lives or not. Um, so I actually don't think that they would take an effort for like regular on the ground troops, mm-hmm. but there would be like elite groups that they would try to do that mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is if you notice that like a big swath of two different countries that are belligerent towards each other have people uh, midlife crisis at a certain point, uh, it almost makes it feel like what's the cause and effect relationship because mm-hmm. It could get really confused where they say, like, well, we know that there's going to be a war in 25 years. We don't know what it's going to be for. Mm-hmm. Um, so does that lead to behaviors that cause it? Like, you know, basically a loop, essentially. Hmm. I can see people who've had that initial experience, if it is the kind of thing you know internally. I can see a, a certain number of people immediately wanting a... A medical procedure that allows them to forget that that's true oh yeah yeah that's a that's mm-hmm. a really good point and you'd have to uh, weirdly enough after you did that you basically have to build up um like not not a, well maybe a cult but at least like a compound where people like that can live so that only people who've also had the same thing happen um they can interact with so that they, they just don't know yeah there's some like there's some groups and perspectives where being able to mix evenly amongst all lifespans is important to them and then there's other groups or situations where you can see people really like oh we've we've got to we've got to get homogenous groups together as quickly as possible based on this mm-hmm. suddenly all of the the sexism the racism and everything elseism is gone it's all about age grouping now and then within the age grouping, that is where um, all of the important decisions are made. 
and sorry, lifespan grouping, not even age grouping, because who knows what age you are exactly, but lifespan grouping. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Do you only send those people who have those known lifespans then out into like on the vo on the voyages to Mars? You only send people who. Right. You only send yeah. them to Mars. You only send them further out because that more or less guarantees you're not going to make any major engineering mistakes in in, in doing so. Uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same thing with boats. Same thing with planes. Only the long-lived pilots get to be pilots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Although it would be interesting, and I don't know how it would work in the framework uh, of this, mm -hmm. but it would be interesting if, like, every person who was qualified to be an astronaut mm. ended up having, like, a midlife crisis earlier so that not at a point where they couldn't make it to mars and back mm. so it's like well i guess we can never go to mars because we know that we're going to fail every time <laughs> uh, uh i because i'm the only one who's currently able to enjoy this uh rob could you describe your shirt in the context of this episode please oh <laughs> in fact i have to lift up to see the whole thing um yeah, it's this. This job makes me feel so alive, and it's actually the Grim Reaper below that. Uh, I did not plan that. <laughs> <laughs> please, please add an image link to the uh, show notes so people can enjoy it as well. That is that is a good point. If, in fact, I'm sure that I can find like the store that I bought it from. Mm -hmm. Oh, imagine the merch. Yeah. What is the merch that goes along with that situation? Because right now you already buy clothing and occasionally middle, you know, mid midlife clothing has its its certain uh, uh, association. But if you're in like your last year, if you're in your last six months, um, and you're still otherwise completely capable, what kind of stuff do you start wearing? What kind of stuff do you start doing? Do you call it out? Do you do you make yourself obvious in that way? Are you issued certain clothing? that is especially visible as the, the closer and closer that you get. Ooh, ooh, that's a good Uniform. Point. Do people wear uniforms during their last year of life, for example? Right, because, yeah, because just because you know that they're checking out doesn't mean that you can't get injured and whatever might affect them, which goes mm -hmm. back to the whole, um, you know, take away the driver's license. Mm -hmm. um, oh, man, yeah, yeah that's, that's a big thing because... Um, because that would be like a First Amendment thing, because mm. you would be essentially compelling speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and compelling speech in a way that is guaranteed to create reaction in the people around you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're 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 essentially making someone an outcast. Yeah, which of the well-known amendments are then up for completely up for discussion in that case? We spend so much of our time focused on. The first and the second in modern discourse uh i imagine that there's more stuff that's going to pop up then separate from just those two yeah yeah i mean i remember like randomly hearing about the third amendment so uh i don't think it'll affect uh them you know having to to quarter troops in their homes 
Mm, I don't know. Let's think about that. <laughs> Am I quartering troops in my home, uh, and then one of them's going to die in the middle of dinner? Hmm. Mm, yeah. How much further do we go down there? Do you need to... Uh, is that considered a Fifth Amendment issue then? If you you cannot be forced to give up and admit whatever your 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 expected death date is. Right. That would that is would that be a weird thing. Is that considered incriminating? Just the very knowledge that you you have in that case. That would be a weird one because um, you know you you don't have a Fifth Amendment in civil cases. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you you do, but it can be used against you. Mm -hmm. So, like, but again, but on the other side, you don't know how it's going to take you out. Um, mm -hmm. But it could be interesting for like um, suits against the estate. So, if a person knows that they're going to, you know, pass at mm -hmm. a certain time, and they commit some sort of fraud or theft or mm -hmm. something that is related to that event. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Are product makers going to intentionally make products very hard to purchase for people who are close to death, so that they can avoid any association therewith? That's oh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if if it ends up being the thing that takes you out, then that's yeah. an it's a very easy suit. It's like, well, this person had their, you know, their midlife crisis. It's so, that... it's so easy. They'll sue you beforehand while they're still alive. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, would there be a perspective where people want to get to the end of like, like there, there must be people who will want to embrace that in the way that there are some people who embrace the way that they feel about the end of life today. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are plenty of people who aren't afraid of the end of life today, right. even if that's not the, those are not generally the people who get public uh, newspaper coverage. The newspaper newspaper coverage tends to go after the people who be very motivated by not wanting to die, not right. wanting to know right. they're going to die. Um, what is the New York Post equivalent of a newspaper that advertises to people who are embracing death? What, is, what do the headlines look like? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <sighs> Um, I mean, I can think of some, that, that some momentary snark. silence is us thinking. We promise you, uh, uh, listener or listeners, that it is. Uh, we're giving it sincere consideration. Yes, I'm staring off into the middle distance. Um, I mean, I can mm -hmm. think of some snarky things like, you know, papers asking for like, you know, ten-year subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> you need to. Your subscriptions to various things are based entirely on that pricing structures. The, the sliding scale for pricing structures changes quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of information. And uh, the other thing, like, granted, there are certain things that, like, if they have any chance of, of you know, bodily injury, that they they do what you say and try to avoid people buying them. Um, but the opposite would be very amusing. Like, hey, you know those those Toyotas with you know seven year warranties. Well, it's like, well. If they're not around, they don't have to. They won't be able to claim it. So, so go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, not Toyotas, but like because those are cars. But uh, like hard drives, you know, hard drives have five-year warranties. 
whole different sets of categories, product categories like that. Uh, what's a big area that we haven't touched on yet? I feel like we're we're such this product of late stage capitalism that we're talking through a lot of those things. We're talking about the philosophy, the religion, the political structures. Um, hmm. Going through clothing. Um, uh, books. Is there something about the process of writing or what you would what you would share in literature that would be different? You know, would literary styles evolve to fit what that's like, where you're expected to read certain types of things or take certain types of perspectives after you've reached that stage? Yeah, I mean, the the simplest thing is that, like. There would be there would be fiction stories that expounded on uh, ideas that people come up with based on that. Like uh, there's there's a standard one that happens uh, where what do you call it? Uh, where like someone gets poisoned, right? And they know that they're gonna die, but they want to find their their murderer before they're dead. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. Uh, I can imagine that sort of story popping up mm -hmm. uh, but because it's the halfway point and this theoretical doesn't say that you know how it happens just that it happens uh, mm -hmm. you'd, you'd have to modify it so so like that that would be a thing that would be in books it's like well what if we know how in addition to when and then they would make a story about that it's like well i I know it's going to be like this, so I have to find people who are going to be there at that time um, in the future. Uh, so that's, that, yeah, that, that's definitely a category. Uh, mm -hmm. There, of course, would be like self-help books, right? You know, dealing dealing with, you know, midlife. <laughs> Those books about dealing with midlife crisis would definitely have a, a more urgent ring to them <laughs> at that point. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, it wouldn't be targeted for, you know, middle-aged people anymore. Um, you'd have to have, you know, the entire age range. Mm. Uh, yeah, and what kind of language would people use around that? Would it be, what kind of comedians would thrive in that environment? Oh, like, well, language and comedy, I can think of. Um, people would basically, um, I, I think, would treat it like a, uh, a battery charge, right? Like you start mm -hmm. off with 100% battery, and then, you know, you start measuring from when you hit 50%. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and there'd be some people who'd be wearing, like, the watch with very large numbers. That mm. counts down exactly where they are in that process. Yep. Um, they'd be, uh, and they'd be going after intense experiences, you'd think. So I don't even know what to think about the kind of drugs people would take. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just to have the rush, man. Just to have the rush before it happens. Yep. I wonder if that would make, um, if that would have a higher push for like actual decriminalization because it would be such a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that politics, right? You'd want to know 
how much time your politician has left. So would that be like a forced public disclosure, like uh, tax returns? Hmm. Yeah, you'd have, it's like you could have five more discussions like this based on this general context. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I think of, um, you could probably avoid a president ever dying in office again. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. You might save yourself a lot in uh, the amount of protection that they need too, if you if you can guarantee such things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Although because you couldn't kill them, imagine <laughs> the biggest problem wouldn't be wouldn't be like presidential uh, attacks. Well, it would be, but it'd be like, you know, the president got hit with a baseball bat today. <laughs> Because there is one other category that I thought of, um, but it would be mm -hmm. a little bit of a departure. It's like a tangent, um, because at some point, if we kept going down that process of like improving lifespan, um, mm -hmm. imagine if at some point somebody like they 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 were turning you know like ninety, right, and they yeah. still hadn't had one yet. Oh man. Well, that is a good denouement to the, the topic is a little like people who have exceptional health, either circumstances or life events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What if people hit 50 and 60 and 70 and they, they, they are still like, what's wrong with me? Right. What is, what, what's, what's happening? What's happening this way? Yeah. Because there would be an interesting, um, there would be a dichotomy at least for a while where some mm -hmm. people would say, I guess we're no longer having that experience. Like something has changed like physically. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, we're, we're no longer going to be able to tell when the midlife point is. Mm -hmm. And then there will be the people who, you know, futurists and everything saying, no, it means, you know, we're, you know, we're headed to a point where um, at a certain point, nobody will have, the, or the midlife crisis will be so far in the future that people will be living, you know, like hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Can we transcend the death? The death of the body for some people then would become the you accept that part and it's it's even more urgent now. Can I upload my personality into a system that continues to exist even if it doesn't exist in a way that's considered life uh, life based? Right. Oh, oh, that's a really good point because there would be imagine. So here's a here's a, a thought of that scenario. So mm -hmm. say you had somebody who. Um, you know, it wants to, like, they're getting ready to do uploads, right? Yeah. And the person um, still has had a midlife crisis. Now, does that mean that, like, from a philosophical or religious standpoint, that what's uploaded just isn't you because you still had a midlife crisis? Or the reverse, someone hasn't had a midlife crisis and then they're uploaded and they didn't have one because they were uploaded. Mm -hmm. So it is the same person. I know that I would assume that having this and the, the immutability of knowing that that was the case when you had that feeling, it, it is so much a, well, it, this confirms we're living in a simulation. How would I know something so totally mm. and absolutely like this if it weren't true that I was living in a simulation and I was generated somewhere and I was someone else's thought or 
or procedural creation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing, and this is like one of those wild physics things. Um, so the best science that we have right now um, says that time, the way that we experience it, is more of a perception, like essentially the, the byproduct of chemical processes. But from a physics standpoint, all of time mm -hmm. has happened. So time is just another dimension, uh, a descriptor of something. So an event is basically, you know, a time dimension and then the physical dimensions. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way that it was explained is that, like, say we're here in our galaxy, right? And there's mm -hmm. some alien, like, 12 billion light years away, right, in mm -hmm. some other galaxy. Um, there, the, your sense of now, like what's happening, right? Quote unquote now mm -hmm. is also based on your direction of movement and your speed of movement because relativity, right? Mm -hmm. So an alien moving towards us, um, basically their present is our past. And if they're moving away from us, their present is our future. Mm. So there, there's, there's no like now, it's just our experience of what we think now is. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be another way of explaining like how we could know this sort of thing. Mm. But mm -hmm. it's just, I think, is valid to say that we're in a simulation because you can just program that in mm. as a parameter. And like how Hawking said, if you want to live longer, measurably longer than someone else on the surface of the earth, fly around mm -hmm. in a plane at altitude forever, um, but then realize you're also probably going to lose out because you're eating airplane food the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and you're also exposed to more radiation. And you're exposed to more radiation. Yes. Uh, well, um, I, I enjoy that as I approach the end of my life, I will con continually think of this podcast over and over and over again and haven't been part of it. That's, that's awesome. Much appreciated. It is, it is my destiny. Yes, we will have always had to do this podcast. We will always have had to do this podcast. And uh, um, I did actually hear back from Dave. So we theoretically might be alternating. We might have one where we actually have three people, uh, which wow. would be interesting. Wow. Okay, well, certainly hard to schedule but uh that is also a, a now perspective that we can have perspective on yep uh well future dave i hope to meet future dave hope to meet future rob again yes but that's a problem for future us yeah if you do have a feeling that really to you feels like the midlife point please describe it and add it to the show notes yeah exactly um so I, I think uh, that's like 95% of a podcast. I think that's probably a good place to go. It um, is. It's really so, good. So we have our, our little outro stuff that we do, um, which sometimes we forget. Um, so we have, from last time, podcasts that, that do stuff uh, better than us um, that you should listen to and be involved in. So... Um, do you have a particular podcast that uh, that you would like to recommend? 
I just finished listening to a series today uh, that is called The Trojan Horse Affair. And as an American, it is rewarding, I think, to listen to how people get all uh, up in arms over things that are particular to a different legal structure, a different social setting, while having a lot of parallels. So I encourage you to check out The Trojan Horse Affair, uh, eight episodes co-run by the New York Times and the other one who was helping with it. And you'll know within the first episode of It's Your Bag. Yeah, that's good. That actually reminds me, because um, I have limited podcasts um, that I will add to my list. But okay. uh, this time, there is a, um, a podcast that I've recently got to because of um, their YouTube channel. And it's uh, called Within Reason. And it's hosted by Alex O'Connell. He's a famous uh, Brit- British um, personality in the atheist community. Um, he he like legit has like a uh, I think it's from Oxford, uh, a philosophy degree. Hmm. And uh, the 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 podcast is basically him interviewing uh, a wide variety of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like there is one where he talked to a person who thought that cancel culture was a religion. Um, there was one where he talks to a, a fellow Future podcast topic. Yeah, yeah, that that that'll be interesting. Like, what if this actually was a religion? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I I probably should add to the list. Um, he also recently interviewed uh, the brother of Christopher Hitchens. I didn't realize he had a brother, mm. um, and he was he was so obnoxious, mm. not not the host but the guest, the guest. Uh, that he basically almost an hour into it just storms out and uh, starts like you know rage tweeting about it, uh, and it's it's really. It's, it's funny, it's one of the few times where I'm not physically disabled by the amount of cringe that I'm listening to, mm-hmm. um, but it, yeah. it, it is a huge amount of cringe, um, because he just starts yelling at him, and he says, like, and the, the host is like, I really, I really don't think that anyone would agree that I've been anything but polite with you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty much. I said good day, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like him ranting for like an extra ten minutes, so he's like on and off mic because they have to like boost it so you can hear him. It's such it's such a weird thing. Um, hmm. yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, well, thank you uh, for the time as always, Rob. And uh, if we do get to to uh, pair up, trio up with Dave next time, I'm sure that'll be a good time too. Yeah, absolutely. And weirdly enough, I'm actually working on yet another guest. So it might be the two of us, the three of us with, with them. Mm. Um, I just have to, he, he's someone that I actually haven't met in person. Uh, he's mm-hmm. someone from Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting a lot of variety. So I, yeah, I definitely appreciate your time and the listeners time. And, uh, I keep like forgetting to mention it. Um, please leave us a review on Spotify. If you listen mm-hmm. on Spotify, I think they mm-hmm. do reviews um, on any p- platform that does reviews, mm-hmm. um, but you know only if you like us, um, which uh, hopefully you do because I'm pretty sure it's mostly, you know, friends and family <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. 
yeah agreed agreed and echo and confirm thank you please five star